Do Brent Venables and the Oklahoma Sooners need to revisit their don't visit policy? We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us and making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Again, underdogfantasy.com, promo code Locked On. You get $100 if you put in $100. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref and Norman from 9 to noon. Josh, it's just never a dull moment with the Oklahoma Sooners, especially on the recruiting trail. Never a dull moment. It's Oklahoma football. And, you know, actually somebody somebody today uh, had texted the radio program and said, you know, really, you got to love recruiting, right? Even for those that don't follow recruiting altogether super closely, you should probably start because if you're a sports fan and you're looking for a sports soap opera, uh, if it's not the, I don't know, Los Angeles Lakers or a couple of other teams that probably you could follow right here on the Locked, uh, Locked On Network for various soap operas ings, then recruiting is that, right? Because it's there's always drama with it. There's always a new twist and turn. And the latest twist and turn for Oklahoma is, is Anthony Evans about to take an unofficial visit to Georgia. Yeah. And it looks so on three has basically said that he is going to be going to Georgia versus Tennessee later this month, or is it this weekend that he'll November be, 5th, I believe. Okay. So two weekends from now he'll, he'll be there in Athens in Athens and Georgia was a team that was heavily recruiting the speedster and looked to be the, the team that was most um, in contention with Oklahoma to land Evans and I mean, recruiting ever stops. Like it's not done until national signing day or the early signing period. Whenever that player signs their national letter of intent, everything's kind of fair game with the Colton Vasek stuff from two weeks ago when he was in Austin. I mean, he lives in Austin, but when he went to the Texas West Virginia game and uh, you know, pictures of him hanging out with Arch Manning. Now, Anthony Evans taking another visit. It kind of reopened the discussion of Brent Venables kind of, don't visit after your committed policy, which he was very public about and kind of got roasted a little bit uh, by, you know, national observers, fans of other teams. We, I kind of defended it a little bit. I think, you know, it, it makes some sense. I think it's, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I feel like it's a little bit too early to determine whether or not Brent Venables has to revisit any stance on the recruiting trail or how he recruits or how he builds a football program, because still he's got a, recruiting class that's in the top five number four right now in 247 sports team recruiting rankings for 2023 in two months built a top 10 recruiting class for 2022 and i mean still has a lot of blue chip prospects coming to norman in the future regardless of what anthony evans or colton Vasek do well and you probably touched on the most important part of this which is right now until Vasek and until evans if and when, right? I mean, we don't know the, 
it's going to happen for either. But if and when until one of those two decommits, then, you know, right now Oklahoma's in a great spot. And even if those two wind up decommitting, John, who's to say how the rest of uh, the class, we know there's a couple of flip opportunities, it seems like, out there uh, potentially in favor of Oklahoma. The recruiting class is a long ways from that December signing period, right? I mean, a lot can happen between now and then. Long story short is to say the class itself is in a really good spot right now. And even minus those those two guys, it would still be in a good spot, obviously not in as good of a spot unless, uh, you know, you had some other surprises or some, you know, commitments and signings that we don't know about yet. Maybe we're pontificating or thinking about as a possibility for Oklahoma. But all of that being said, I mean, the class, even if you lose those two guys, I guess what I'm saying is it's it would be a good class, right? You wouldn't look at the class by any stretch of the imagination and call it some sort of a disaster. I like uh, the mindset that Brent Venables has here with the, hey, if you're committed to us, you're not taking a bunch of, com- you know, you know, not taking a bunch of visits other places. To me, that makes sense. That sound, it's uh, maybe at times a little bit unrealistic that you're not going to run into a situation to where, uh, well, at least the kid's going to try you on said policy right now. The catch, I guess, with both Vosick and Anthony Evans looks like they're both unofficial visits, right? So is that your, your little bit of gray area there where it's, well, it's not an official visit, even though if it's trending in that direction to where one or both could potentially decommit from you for all intents and purposes. Okay. It's not an official visit, but it's a visit, right? So do you have to draw that hard line in the sand that says, no, this is my policy. This is what we said and we're sticking with it. Or do you make yourself look a little silly publicly? I don't know if you don't then turn around and say, yank the commitment from an Anthony Evans or a Vosick. That would seem to be a little extreme, John, and I don't know that that's good for business, but there's some people out there talking about that and asking that question, if nothing else. Yeah, I don't see them pulling commitments from these guys. I think they they don't want to create that. They don't want to create more pub for what's going on than they have to. But it wouldn't surprise me to see them direct resources some other directions. I mean, Oklahoma still got two really talented wide receivers heading to Norman in 2023 and Keon Brown and Jaquay's Petaway. So you don't have Anthony Evans. It's, it hurts. He's a dude who's got tremendous speed and is going to be a, a big time player. We think at the college football level uh, and Colton Bassick. I mean, every time that you turn on the tape from this guy, his senior year, he's just making plays. Like he's just wrecking offensive linemen and getting into the backfield. So they're two really, really good players. College football coaches say a lot of things and a lot of times they put their foot in their mouths on a lot of things. Like we're seeing it weekly in the sec with Lane Kiffin and uh, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, And I mean, in the whole new NIL era, it's just, there's always a coach that's going to say something. And then the policy changes, the winds of college football change a little bit. And then they kind of have to like go back a little bit on what they were saying or just or just take the heat and look foolish and then you know regroup and, and move on. So I don't think that this is going to be anything that Brent Venables has to apologize for. I don't think he's going to you know go out in public and be like, well, we're we're going to keep those commitments and then you know backtrack on what he said earlier. I think it's just going to be the evolution. You know, like this is the a lot of you know this is their senior year and it's another it's kind of their last opportunity 
to go visit some of these places. And I get what Brent Venables is saying. And I, I like it. I like the idea of a commitment, meaning just that at the same time, man, I remember being a senior in high school in my last semester in high school. And in a three month period, I got to go to San Antonio with some guys. I got to go on a ski trip with my church. And then I got to go to London with my choir. Like those three months were some of the best months of my life because I got to go all, do all this traveling. And that's what, you know, Anthony Evans is getting to do right now. He's taking advantage of an opportunity to go to Georgia for what's going to be a huge football game. Um, that's going to have big time national title implications. And I get it. Like enjoy the, enjoy the ride. You know, I'm not going to fault him for that, but again, it also wouldn't surprise me to see Oklahoma turn in another direction and try to make a move for another wide receiver elsewhere. You mentioned like flips are going to happen in Oklahoma's favor. We saw it. It didn't take long for them to get our Mason Thomas, Grayson Halton and uh, Kevonte Henry in just a two month span from Venables and his staff arriving in Norman, they were able to make those three flips happen from Oregon, Michigan, and Iowa state, like you know, two really good programs. And then Iowa state, a program that recruits fairly well and recruits guys that they can, they, they see something in and can develop. So again, like I said earlier, I really think it's too early for Brent Venables to like second guess any of his um, values or vision for this football program it kind of has to stick by it. And if, you know, two, three years down the road, this is becoming a regular occurrence and he's losing blue chip prospects because he's got this hard and fast stance and it's affecting Oklahoma on the football field. Then I think at that point he has to do some self-reflection and, and start to like rethink the way he publicly discusses some of these things. Now he might still believe like, Hey, a commitment's a commitment, but he might not be so hard and fast in front of the public, in front of the media, just to kind of save face a little bit, because that's really what it comes down to is just saving face. Like you don't want your football program to say, Hey, we're, we're about this. This is what a commitment means. We're going to live by it. And then when two of your commits go on visits or even unofficial visits, like, well, you know, that, that, that those don't matter. We're still committed to these guys. So I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird thing. Coaches are again, always going to put their foot in their mouths a little bit on some things. And Brent Venables is not going to be um, immune to that from time to time. It's just because of the guy he is somebody who is very uh, vociferous. He, he likes to speak. He he's, he likes to talk a lot. There are going to be times where he says some things that might come back to bite him a little bit. And I think this is just going to be one of those occasions. Well, and you know, I mean, I think it's worth saying it's with good intentions to have the policy, right? Which is, Hey, don't, don't commit to us quickly. Take your time, think it through, go on your visits, then commit to Oklahoma. It's not, Hey, commit to us and then shut it all down. Brent Venables has been pretty clear about, Hey, no, just when you commit to Oklahoma, make that a final decision right now. The reality is probably you're going to run into a situation here and there to where it's not going to realistically be a final decision or you thought somebody, somebody thought that they had a final decision, right? And then you're 17, 18 years of age. And guess what? You know, we know people, John, you and I's age that are indecisive and <laughs> change their minds very quickly. So I'm not going to hold it against a 17 or 18 year old kid that all of a sudden a big decision in their life. Maybe you feel differently than you did, uh, you know, a month ago or several weeks ago. I don't, you know, and to expect every single situation to play out that way is probably a little bit absurd. Right. So, you know, in closing on this, I, I think I agree with you. If you're Brent Venables, 
I think you've got a good policy, right? You've got a good approach to the way that you want to attack recruiting. I don't think it suddenly makes you look like some big hypocrite now because you haven't yanked the rug out from both Vasek or Anthony Evans if and when he you know, takes this unofficial visit to Georgia. Because guess what? That's bad business. And ultimately, even if you have this as close to a hardline rule as you can about visits or unofficial visits, you don't do what's bad for the business, right? I mean, you do what's good for the business. So he's got the right approach. I think it's uh, more about, hey, when for, for most situations, when you commit to Oklahoma, have it hopefully be final. But obviously we're finding out that's not going to be the case in every single situation. No, and, you know, these guys still might be fully 100% committed, but Anthony Evans is like, hey, you're inviting me to come to Georgia for a game. I'm, I'll come. And the coaching staff probably feels fairly good about it. And, like, I think – I can't remember where I saw it, but it was on Twitter today where Anthony Evans, like, reaffirmed his commitment uh, to Oklahoma in, in that. But, you know, again, things change. Offers change. Uh, you know, NIL opportunities, they come. You know, they, they might change the, the – the outlook for a player on a situation. Um, you know, I know a lot of people might be rethinking what's happening at Texas A&M and there might be some Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma targets. They're committed to A&M that might start rethinking some of that and Oklahoma might be able to benefit from that. So it's just the, the changing, the ever evolving landscape of college recruiting. It's best not to get too high and too low on it until national signing day um, comes and goes because we don't really know anything until we know, we know, we know, we know on National Signing Day. So we feel pretty good, but we won't know until we know. So anything else you want to mention on this before we move on? No, I, I mean, I think we've kind of run the gambit on it and uh, we'll just see how it all plays out, right? And probably, I, I guess the last thing I would say is if you think that Vosick and Anthony Evans are the last twist and turn for Oklahoma recruiting wise between now and signing day or the second signing day in the spring, probably you're fooling yourself a little bit. Right. And they're, they're probably going to be a positive twist or turn for Oklahoma too. And I'm not saying that these definitely wind up negative, but if they do, there's probably more surprises along the way, because guess what? It's college football recruiting and there are always surprises along the way. Yeah, and there will be some good surprises for Oklahoma along the way as well. I'm, I feel pretty good about saying that. So let's talk about Underdog Fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up your college football season. It's a great place to play fantasy football. I've been playing best ball fantasy there for, for several years now, but now they offer over-under odds. You just pick. Do you think Dylan Gabriel is going to go over 271.5 passing yards against Iowa State, or do you think he'll be lower than that? Do you think Eric Gray goes 77 and a half or over Marvin Mims at 80.5 Theo Weiss 38.5. Like you get to choose. You can pick anywhere from two to five um, over unders and then determine, and then you can win. You can win some big money over at underdogfantasy.com. It multiplies for you. So the more players you put in your parlay, so to speak, in your pick them, the more you can win. So Go check out Underdog Fantasy. I mean, if I'm looking at Oklahoma's right here and Theo Weiss at 38 and a half, that to me, that's a that's a good one right there because we know the attention is going to be focused on Marvin Mims. They're going to try and slow Eric Gray in the running game down. Seems like a great opportunity for Theo Weiss to hit at least 40 yards receiving in this game. So give me Theo Weiss in the over. Now, the Dylan Gabriel 271 and a half, I probably would lean on the under on that one just because I feel like he'll have to play in a lot of – 
in the short to intermediate part of the field a lot, like we talked about in our keys to the game on uh, yesterday's episode. And then the Eric Gray, 77 and a half. That's fascinating because Iowa State's really good against the run, just like we discussed on yesterday's episode. So go check out Underdog Fantasy at underdogfantasy.com or download the app as well. You can get $100 free with a $100 deposit using our promo code Locked On. Again, you deposit $100, Underdog will give you $100 free to play with on the underdogfantasy.com app. It's available in the App Store, the Google Play Store. Again, Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On, one word. Get in on the college football pick them action today. All right, Josh, something we kind of talked about or teased in yesterday's episode is just this idea that teams with the big bag in NIL are going to be the best teams in college football. I feel like that was the fear when NIL really kicked off is like the teams with the most money, the biggest booster base, were going to be the ones that just immediately jumped to the top or created this this recruiting dynasty that was going to put them so much farther ahead of everybody else like texas a&m miami um you know these the texas could be another one that we could throw in there and i think what we're seeing at least in the early going we're about a year into a little more than a year into the whole nil evolution is that's not really translated yet texas a&m I mean, it's drama week after week with that with that program right now. Miami, I mean, this John Ruiz character is throwing tons of money at players. And Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes aren't really doing anything. In fact, like Texas A&M, it seems to be getting worse by the week. Uh, and then you look at Texas, started off strong, looked good at times. And then now we're looking at another Texas team that could end up finishing around 500 again this year. So Josh... To me, baseball is about the biggest equivalent to this that I could that I could put my finger on. It's been a long time since the Yankees were like the dominant force in baseball, like they were in the 90s, early 2000s. But they always spend big. They always spend the most money. The Dodgers right up there too. They're spending tons and tons of money. But it doesn't always translate to national or national titles, to World Series, to to you know, big, deep runs in the playoffs. Money's not everything. And I think this is why Brent Venables takes the approach to NIL that he takes. When he says like, hey, if you're coming for NIL, you're probably not coming for the reason that we want you to be here. Like NIL is going to be a part of our institution and a part of our program, but it's not going to be the end all be all. And so if you're coming to Oklahoma looking to bank big, then you're probably not coming for the right reasons and you might not be the right player for us. And that's okay. There are going to be other programs and other situations that provide a good opportunity for you to earn, but that might not be here at Oklahoma. No, it's a, it's a point. Well, well taken. I mean, you just look at the two Texas schools, right? The Longhorns and the Texas A&M Aggies. Texas isn't having, you know, a bad season, but certainly what, looked like early, you know, you thought with them playing as close as they did versus Alabama that maybe they wouldn't have a couple of conference losses at this stage and now three losses. And, of course, the better example is A&M, right, who's thrown all that cash maybe around, right? I guess there's there's no guaranteed truth to any of that. Uh, that's speculation from many people out there. But uh, they're, they're kind of thought to be very, very heavily involved in the NIL game. 
And lo and behold, guess what? Texas A&M is three and four. Now, some people would turn around, John, and maybe say, okay, well, a lot of those players that they've targeted through name, image, and likeness kind of haven't really come all the way up the uh, pipeline, right? That maybe we need to revisit this in a year or in two or three years. Maybe that's when we're going to get the best indication of it. But again, as far as what we've seen so far, you know, USC has been uh, a quick fix, right? I mean, Lincoln Riley, you have to say, has done a good job at USC. And that's probably a better illustration of using the transfer portal effectively than maybe even name, image, and likeness. Look, Caleb Williams, he, he got, got quite a bit of money, I guess, from the Beats by Dre deal, name, image, and likeness. But everybody else for USC, I mean, is is there just uh, NIL bag after an NIL bag for everything for USC? I mean, maybe that was a big part of how they orchestrated the transfer portal piece. But, I mean, I guess you could say it's as much the transfer portal piece as it is the name, image, likeness piece, John. That's kind of working in concert there, but that's the best example, right? And there's plenty of other examples in college football that aren't that. So I'm with you. The other thing I would say on it is this. It's uh, going to be an interesting case study with A&M, right? I mean, obviously they've got a solid class at the moment, 17th nationally. That's not a top 10. That's not a top five class, but that's not a bad class, right? And there's still room before signing day for them to, you know, climb the, the charts here to speak in terms of that recruiting class. What's that going to look like, though, if they keep losing, right? And these guys that signed last year, are they going to stick around if A&M keeps losing? So it'll be an interesting case study. And, okay, you can toss some NIL dollars out if that's how you got folks on campus to begin with. But ultimately, John, you have to win when guys are on campus probably to keep them on campus. I think you, you make a really interesting point with the transfer portal. Because say, like if I was a big booster, obviously I'm not a big booster. Don't have a ton of cash to throw around at players. But the transfer portal would be kind of the way to do it. Like trying to attract known commodities like a Caleb Williams, a Jordan Addison, Travis Dye that was at Oregon, a really good player. Guys that have produced and performed on the field. You know what you're getting. Like you know – like. It's one, it's a name. It's a name that's produced at the college football level that you can you can use as a you know a company to you know hawk your product or hawk your business. Like that makes sense. You know, Caleb Williams advertising for Beats by Dre, it makes sense. One of the biggest names in college football, um, you know, the side of CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, like not not many, and, and maybe even as big or bigger because of the way that he came on last year, he just took the college football world by storm with the big win against Texas. Throwing out big dollars for high school kids to attract them doesn't seem like smart business. Maybe it turns into it. I don't know. But when you, when you're, when you're kind of taking on unknown quantities and you're not sure if they're going to kind of live up to the hype of that star rating, then it's not really great investment because you're, you're hoping to get bang for your buck and maybe you get them on campus. Maybe they're great. Maybe you get them on campus and maybe they're not. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all turns out and how this all plays out. Like Texas giving, you know, orchestrating $50,000 for each of their offensive linemen. How's that going to play out? Like are all those guys going to stay? 
are all the, all those guys going to be good? We'll see. But I think you know the winning part, the culture part, all that matters. And like if your if your culture is based in NIL, and somebody gets a better offer somewhere else to, and they transfer out, like that, you kind of reap what you sow a little bit. If you know if you're not winning, it's going to affect you know just the way players are viewed. And that's going to affect bottom line. Like perception is reality. And if your team isn't winning, maybe people aren't going to be as interested in investing in the NIL side for certain players. So it's going to be really interesting. I, I like I kind of talked about with Brent Venables and you mentioned it too. Maybe it's a bit early to kind of be jumping on some of these other teams, but it's certainly there's something there's something happening right now with Miami, Texas, and Texas A&M, three of the kind of bigger schools with bigger kind of team focused NIL opportunities and how it's just not working out right now. One, one thing I do think we can, we could say pretty safely is that until you've got the thing going and rolling, you know, not that Alabama or Georgia are heavily involved in, you know, name image likeness. It doesn't seem like to the same degree that say, uh, you know, Texas, LSU, A&M, whoever, Miami, that you want to throw in there, even a USC, right? You can you can pick and choose a little bit once you're established. And I do think probably the, you know, outside of – Alabama is probably a poor example because Alabama I don't think needs to do a lot of those types of things because they are, again, so established, right? It kind of recruits itself. But, you know, some of these programs, John, I think uh, will show us in the future that a good – balance of sorts is probably going to be the happy place to be. But if all of your emphasis is on name, image, and likeness, look, you got to win, right? The The culture has to be about playing good football and winning. It can't be about bags of cash because as soon as it's only about that man and things start going south, then you got a lot of people in your ear hanging around the, a lot of hangers on right around the program or tweeting you on social media or hitting up your Instagram or this or that, that are asking, Hey, what the heck, where, where did my big bag of cash go for this product, right? So I think that, you know, you you can use it effectively, but you have to be smart about how you do it. And it probably has to work to begin with, John, in concert with just playing good football to begin with. Yeah, and the NIL landscape is constantly changing too. So what the rules are for it, you know, yesterday, they've changed a little bit since then. And they're going to continue to evolve too as – you know, the, the NCAA committee on NIL continues to ratify and, and research and look into some of this. It's not going to look the same a year from now as it looks today. So I think laying back a little bit and not being so gung ho with NIL is potentially maybe a safe thing, a smart thing to do because you don't know if they'll come back with certain infractions later on down the road, they'll, you know, uh, retroactively imply or re- uh, apply, not imply or reply, but apply um, some infractions. You never know what the NCAA is going to do. And so it'll be really interesting to follow that. Just a few things to touch on before we get out of here and get you uh, on your weekend and get ready for Iowa State and Oklahoma. If you missed our preview, go back and check out Thursday's episode because we, we broke down what we thought the keys to the game were for, for Iowa State or for Oklahoma on offense and defense. But uh, just a few things, Josh, quick takeaways. Uh, I don't know if you caught much of the the battle series for Oklahoma softball, but dude, man, they lost Jocelyn Allo, but it doesn't seem like they've lost any any of their bang. Like they're going to continue to just hit dinger after dinger after dinger. 
Yeah, no, they're uh, obviously super loaded once again. And as I like to say, when Oklahoma scrimmages itself or plays, you know, these contests against itself, they won't see better competition <laughs> at any point, I don't think, throughout uh, the rest of this calendar year and uh, obviously uh, into next softball season. So they're loaded, man. They're talented. They, you know, have – speaking of using the transfer portal, right, uh, Oklahoma's done a really, really effective job of that. Uh, Sidney Sanders, up and down, Storaco, on and on and on. Uh, Alina Torres, right? I mean, just all the different additions that they've made have really buoyed this roster. And then one thing that Patty Gasso has established at Oklahoma too, John, is you kind of in, – in not everyone, but at times you wait your spot, and there's some really talented people on this roster that have kind of waited their turn, and maybe this year is going to be their turn. Yeah, just – constantly reloading this team it just keeps getting better and better uh and then oh, speaking of women's athletics at oklahoma the women's basketball team was ranked number 16 in the initial usa today coaches poll uh, bringing back their three leading scores from last year uh, they're the third highest ranked team in the big 12 behind uh blank texas and iowa state so good place to be to start the season i think you know positive vibes for oklahoma um heading into uh, 2020 2023 sorry not iowa state baylor texas and then oklahoma so i was I think, uh, I think iowa state is ranked pretty highly i i think that they uh, were ranked eighth in the preseason coaches poll so they are they're thought to be really really good um it's going to be a good league like always the the big 12 is talented even a team like uh kansas state historically you can almost count on sort of being either middle of the pack or top half of the big 12 so it's nice to see Oklahoma, though, John, in a place that kind of felt they had dipped away from a little bit those last several years of the Sherry Cole era. And then, you know, I, you know, one one final good season for Sherry. Uh, but uh, obviously, you know, what Jenny Baranchek has done in just one year's time, it feels like things are really headed in a positive direction for Oklahoma women's basketball. They've got two really good scores in Robertson and in Maddie Williams. So, you know, and now they got a ton of experience, right? Winning experience. What did they win? 25 uh, some odd games plus last year. So they figure to be one of the top teams in the Big 12. Now, the uh, challenge again for this group is going to be how do you handle success, right? This is a program that, again, had kind of dipped off the map there for just uh, just a tick. But now they're back. Coach Baranchek got them playing well. So now you got expectations. How are you going to handle the expectations? Yep, and it was so it was Texas at number three, uh, Iowa State had it right in my mind the first time at number nine, Oklahoma at sixteen, and Baylor at seventeen. Uh, South Carolina, you know, the nearly unanimous number one team in the coaches' poll, uh, receiving thirty of the thirty-one first place votes. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun season uh, all year long. We got football for another m month and a half at least, and then we got basketball. We got softball coming after that baseball Oklahoma looking to have another strong season the 2023 schedule just dropped on uh, Thursday as well so make sure you go check that out at Soonersports.com they got all your schedules tip-offs are coming not long from now but we're gonna have coverage of Iowa State Oklahoma after the big game on Saturday so make sure you're tuned into Locked On Sooners wherever you get your podcasts Again, we're free and available on all podcast platforms. Also, go check out Locked On Sports today for your second listen of the day. Uh, great Peter Pukowski does a great job over there covering the, the top stories 
from the night before, from the games that matter to the most important stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. He's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.